Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. At least I think we're back, and back for how long, I don't know. I woke up last Monday morning to a message from Spreaker saying that my show has been banned, blocked, and all the episodes have been deleted. I've been on here for two years. They deleted two years' worth of episodes, wiped them out from the servers, wiped them out from all the streamer services that they're on, like Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Automatic, uh, everything you can imagine, iHeartRadio, Pandora, all gone. Everything. I mean, I make copies of it, thank God, and I upload them to TalkShoe.com. Uh, they've been carrying all of my episodes since the very beginning, so you can always go and find them there. But I don't know what the hell happened. They said I violated an ad standard policy, which I don't understand because I've been doing the same show every week for two years, playing the music I'm playing, interviewing the guests I'm interviewing, and they approved it for the ad services, uh, for the revenue sharing two years ago, so I don't know what happened. And naturally, like anything else in the world today, you can't actually get anybody in person or speak to anybody. It's all through messages. The only message I get back is some standardized form that explains why they deleted it, but it doesn't specify exactly why. Something about the music and, and the advertisers, I don't know what happened. And I don't know how long it's going to go before it happens again. I eliminated my ad policy. I eliminated being a part of the revenue sharing program. So I'm hoping that that solves the problem. Uh, so I, I don't know. But if it does happen again, I will definitely be going back to Block Talk Radio. I hated to do that because Spreaker has such better sound quality. You know, Block Talk Radio sounds like you're listening through a transistor radio or like AM radio. That was one of the drawbacks of it, but it was a good site to use and very simple to use. That's why I stood there for 13 years. But when, you know, Spreaker came out with all this technology, just let me come here. And it was good for two years, but, and it still is good sound-wise. I just don't know what happened. So I guess we're going to take it week by week. I'm all paid up until February, so I'm hoping to get to until then, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, so I don't even know if I'm going out live right now or this is being pre-recorded. I have no idea. So we're going to keep it kind of low in the music tonight because we got a great show with two amazing guests, Ron Bumblefoot Thor from The Art of Anarchy and Sons of Apollo and Guns N' Roses is on tonight's show, and Robert Garvin from Sirith Ungle. So we're going to be talking to both of them tonight, and that's going to chew up most of the time on the show. So we'll have a little bit of music here and there. We'll do one or two more songs before we get to Ron. Uh, have us a Fate's Warning, Misfit. <laughs>
That was Creed with Meet Again. Not the Creed with Scott Strapp, but the one from Germany who was around from like 81 to like 84 or 5. You know, and it's funny because Creed with Scott Strapp singing on it is also the singer of the second record from Art of Anarchy, which features our next guest, Ron Bumblefoot Thal, with the great Jeff Scott Soto is singing with the band these days. We're going to talk to Ron in a few minutes. We'll play something off the Sons of Apollo record. Uh, right before that, we did Phantom. I love these guys, you know. Punish the Sinners. That comes off the band's debut record from 1987 called Dead or Alive. After I was playing the song, I was like, you know what? I got to get them on the show. And then I realized I had, I had a, what do you call it, a Falcon Eddie Green on the show probably eight or nine years ago. The band also, also featured Anthony Bramante, who played with uh, Harder Attack and Nuclear Assault. They were a great New York City band. Put out three records from 87 to about 91 and 92, and then they kind of called it a day. But they were a solid act. And right before that, we kicked things off with Fate's Warning and Misfit. And I don't know if I even said Jack Pans and Metal Melts the Ice was the opening track today. I remember walking into my record store in 1983, seeing that album on the wall with the cartoon of the woman standing over the dead bodies with the chainsaw saying, I gotta get this. And back then, you know, Zigzag Records had all the new albums up on display on the wall, and you would, you know, whatever one you wanted, you would tell Artie who owned the store and he would go get it for you out of the bag. And he's like, and I also got a picture disc of it. I remember buying the picture disc that day for like $2 more than the record and I still have it in my collection. So 40-something years, it's absolutely amazing. What a great band. The Hollow, their latest record, one of their best. If you haven't picked it up and the comic book that comes with it, go ahead and do so. All right, you know, like I was saying earlier on the show, you know, Spreaker canceled and deleted all of my, my podcasts and my shows last week. A hundred episodes gone. You know, I remember when I left Block Talk Radio to come in, they were kind of teed off and they made me delete everything from there too. But at least they gave me the option to do it when I did it. You know, they're like, we're only going to let you keep so many hours of music. So I had time to download everything and upload it to another site, which was TalkShoe.com. Uh, all the past episodes. There. Also, if you go to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show, Block Spot, the blog of the show, uh, there's a there's a, a drop-down menu on the side with every year, every month. It has every show listed on there. And all those links are new and updated even the last two years worth of shows from Spreaker. Uh, the dot-com website, the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show com. I'm still working on it right now. You know, I never never bothered, like, you know, putting the links up to the whole shows because what I did is I used to just put the interviews up because everybody would ask about the interviews. You know, did you interview this guy? So I just put up, like, a... Uh, I put up like a drop there menu with all the interviews with the links to it and actually all of those got deleted too from the last two years so I'm changing them all over and I'm just putting them up there with the shows the weeks the year and who's on there that way people can find them all talk shoes your best bet to get them they deleted everything from iTunes from Spotify from Pandora from iHeartRadio there's dead links all over the place you can't you can't find the show. You'll find the show, but you can't find it to listen anyway. The only place I didn't delete it from was YouTube, I think, because they have their own type of platforms. Everything that's been done in the last two years on Spreaker is still on YouTube. I think there were one or two episodes that YouTube wouldn't put up because I said there was a copyright infringement. 
uh, for some of the newer stuff I play. But you can find almost every episode on YouTube, which I never really promoted before, but I think I might have to now until I can get everything done again. So I'm going to wait till tomorrow to see if they cancel me and delete this show for playing the music, even though I got rid of the whole air thing. I'm not part of the air program anymore, so I'm hoping that that kind of solves the problem. And I also found, I think, another workaround to the music part of it. So we'll see if it works. If it does, we're good to go. If not, I'm going to just try to ride this out till February and then go back to Block Talk Radio. I emailed them today about starting up the show again there and I needed some info because I tried to do a test show today and it wasn't working right, so we'll have to figure that out first. Uh, but hopefully we'll be pretty good over here and uh, and that'll be that. We'll see what happens. But like I said, TalkShoe.com is the best place. Give me another day or two to finish uploading the links on the .com website. I know nobody really goes back many, many years, but it seems like anytime there's an issue and you can't get to the show, somebody always asks for one that's a, a very old show. <laughs> that's just what happens. But let's get to Ron Thor. Let's play some Sons of Apollo, and then we'll talk to Ron right after that, that song.
doing? I'm doing great. Anytime I get to talk to a guy from Brooklyn and Staten Island, life can't get any better. <laughs> so where are you from? Originally Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, but the last 32 years since I got married, uh, Staten Island, New York. All right, yeah, Brooklyn. Uh, so Bensonhurst, LMDs. Yep. That's right, a few blocks away. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would go from everywhere. I was driving from Jersey to get a tray of square. Yep, it's still the best pizza out there. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Oh. So where in Staten Island are you? These days, Great Kills. I've been out here since I got married. Great Kills? All right, that's where when I first moved to Staten Island, I was right like a block above Highland Boulevard. I was on uh, was it Greencroft Avenue between Keegan's Lane and Ainsworth, like right near Pier 53. Yeah, I think that's like Bay Terrace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I'm not that far from there, yeah. Very cool. Nice. Yes. Uh, so it's great to talk to, you know, a fellow Staten Islander these days. Well, not anymore, but, you know, at one time, and I'm happy that you're back with new music. It's been about six years since we had the last Art of Anarchy record, and you, you yeah. outdid yourself on this one. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You, See, now so I just want to talk about Staten Island, like the band. <laughs> you know, we can talk about that any time. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it, it's a great place to live, Stuart. I, I think I'm, my next stop is, you know, I'm making that trip. Brooklyn, Staten Island, New Jersey, and Florida. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the, the progression. That's right. It We're working our way to Florida. Jersey. That's, that's where mom is now. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, John and Vince, the guys who started this band, they're Staten Islanders. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, this whole band started in Staten Island about 25 years ago. Where I remember Wave Street. Yeah, yeah. And all the stuff like down. Yeah, so there was Wave Studios right across from the Wave. Yeah. That uh, you probably know Dean Holterman. Everybody knows Dean. Yep. Mm hmm. Yep, old friend. So he opened up that studio, and I would. I would I would engineer there, and the Voter Brothers, John and Vince, these teenage kids, they were twins. One played guitar, the other played drums. They would come in with their band, and I would record them and just stayed really close with the family and, and all of them. They're wonderful. And then in 2011, uh, at that point, I was in Jersey, had my own place, and they said, you know, we never got to make the, our dream album, the album we always wanted to make. So we wrote 10 songs, and we want to get different singers to sing on them, and we'll just put it out ourselves, start our own record label. And so started reaching out after they recorded 10 songs that they wrote, and I threw guitars on them too, and uh, started reaching out to singers. So the first one that we hit up was Scott Weiland, and he did the song called Till the Dust is Gone, and he did such a beautiful job. Like He just wrote his own thing to the music. And it was fantastic. And then, you know, as we're talking to his manager and everyone, they said, why don't we make this a band? Let's turn this into an actual band. And Scott will be the singer for the whole album. And we'll sign a band agreement, you know, figure out all the royalty splits and all the business crap. And, and it was legit. And we became a band. And Scott, within a month, he banged out, sang, just wrote and recorded and did everything for the whole album so from there we got john moyer on bass and he's the bassist of disturbed yeah so now we have this nice little band you got scott wyland i was doing guns at the time and and 
you've got John from Disturbed, and you've got the Voter Brothers from Staten Island, and that was it. And then uh, when it was time to put out the album, uh, suddenly Wyland just had this total change in, and was like, what do you mean? We're not a band. I, like, I remember that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we signed a band agreement. What are you talking about? And and it just pulled the rug out, and then we just you know, had all this turbulence where he was making public statements saying saying that he's not our singer <laughs> and, and all this stuff, and, and it really uh, you know, hurt the band terribly. And that was 2015 when the album came out. And soon after, he sadly, he passed away. Uh, yeah, so that was the last thing that he got to put out. And, and I you know, wish he felt better about being part of it. Because I think people liked hearing him do something a little different, a little heavier, you know, besides his own solo music, which was great. Uh, but from there, it was like, all right, so what do we do? Do we keep going? Do we stop here? And then we ended up with singer number two. Scott Stratton. Yep. So uh, we managed by 2017 to get an album out together and did minimal touring, not as much as we planned to and hoped to. Uh, and then more turbulence. <laughs> with the finger and at that point it's like all right let's let's just shelf this for a while and get our sanity back and so now you fast forward to 2019 and john the guitar player gets deathly ill and they don't know what it is but he's going blind he has no immune system he uh, can't breathe, like he's choking in the middle of the night. Wow. Like, he was dying. He was slowly dying, and doctors couldn't diagnose it. They don't know what it was. Uh, so all he could really do is sit in bed, lie in bed, with his guitar and watch movies and just try and distract himself from slowly dying. And he would watch the Joker movie over and over. And just something about that movie just grabbed him and distracted him. And, and he would play guitar while watching the movie. And after a while, he started coming up with like definite <laughs> guitar parts for parts of the movie. And it was almost like he was just writing songs to the movie. So eventually they figured it out and they started giving him treatment and he started slowly bouncing back. But it took a long time. And by mid-2020, he was well enough to, to start moving around and everything. And, and John and Vince, they started coming over to my studio. They would come out to Jersey every Friday. We would hang out. We would record a song. We would just write and record. And by 10 o'clock that night, another song would be done. And we ended up writing about two albums worth of songs just hanging out every Friday during the pandemic. And the first thing that they brought in and said, all right, we have a song idea. It was the opening scene of the Joker movie, the thing that John would play while he watched. That became the song Vilified. 
so it's really this whole near-death thing that he was going through this like the darkest time in his life where he really thought he was just going to slowly die and there's nothing he could do about it and from that is where that's what resurrected Art of Anarchy and started working on album number three and that's why in the video and in the song there's all these references to the Joker where yeah that's that's what it's all about it's not just some some <laughs> weird thing like it was very personal like it's almost an just a like a I wouldn't say tribute but just like something it was just such a personal experience for John and that's yeah so we shot the video in the same spot in the Bronx where where they shot the movie where the Joker's doing this whole routine on this long staircase. Yeah. So we played on that same staircase in the Bronx, and that's where we shot part of that video, all the performing parts. And all of the news broadcasts throughout the song that you hear, that's those were real news broadcasts when they were just trying to create hysteria about the movie, saying, oh, it's going to lead to real-world violence, and this and that, and copycats, and trying to just mind F everybody. Yeah. And we had just Kate re-speak all of those actual news broadcasts throughout the song. So a lot of people don't notice it until you point it out that it's Jeff Kate of, you know, Empire, Operation Mind Crime, and, and from all the Queensryche albums. And, you know, we're, you'll listen back and you'll recognize his voice. That's incredible. You know, there's, you know, they always say that, like every song has a story to it. And, you know, people are like, oh, how come there's been so many years, you know, since the last record? And you, know, you can say, well, you know, some of the members involved in other stuff. But then you hear something so personal like this that, you know, he was almost on his deathbed. And, you know, the Joker was, it kind of kept him going in a way. It was like his therapy to get through it, writing music. And all that turns into exactly. like sort of like the next album. You don't, you don't hear those stories. And you just say, ah, why are we waiting so long for a new Art of Anarchy record? And this is, <laughs> this is why. I mean, people don't realize that, you know, musicians aren't Superman. They have lives too and things go on. And sometimes yeah, bad things happen. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. When you're not, you know, in between, you know, what did John Lennon used to always say? Like, uh, life is what happens. <laughs> while we're making plans or something like that. <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah, life is what happens in between albums coming out. That, that's true. But the album is out now. Well, you know, people are going to hear it soon. And Jeff Scott Soto, yeah. I, I love Jeff. I have it on my, he's been on my show dozens of times. I mean, such a great singer. You know, play with him, Sons of Apollo. So you kind of know what you're getting when you have Jeff with you on there. Uh, was it decided oh, yeah. as you were in the studio getting ready to, you know, work on these songs that Jeff was going to be the next singer of the band? Uh, yeah, well, Sons of Apollo had just finished touring in 2020. Actually, we didn't finish. We got cut very short. We had like yeah. 20 shows we were doing in Europe. And then after the fourth show, we had to just throw all the gear into the nearest storage place in Germany and race home. And then a week later, the whole world was shut down. Yep. So during that time when I was telling him that Art of Anarchy is you know, doing stuff again and and he said to me, like, you know, you should have just had me sing from the beginning and you wouldn't have had all these issues and problems. Everything would have been smooth and, and yeah, no just self-destruction. And 
which is true. And I mentioned it to uh, John and Vince. And before I could even finish the sentence, it's like, you know, Jeff said, he said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. He's a wonderful guy, and, and he's just an incredible voice. So any songs that, that we were working on, we would just send him the music, and, and he would write the melodies and the lyrics. And, and in the end, we just finished up which 10 songs we'd put on this next album. And at that point, John Moyer, uh, he wasn't going to be continuing with it. So it's like, all right, so we got to get a new bass player. Uh, so Jeff suggested Tony Dickinson, who is his bass player from his Soto band. Yeah. And they're both in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And in fact, Mike Mangini, who just put out a solo album, uh, he's the bassist on Mike Mangini's album. Funny how everything is connected. So Mike Mangini just announced today that he is no longer in Dream Theater. Yeah, and Sons of Apollo's drummer, Mike Portnoy, is now the drummer of Dream Theater again. And our singer of Sons of Apollo is now the singer of Art of Anarchy, along with the bassist who played with Mike Mangini. <laughs> uh, this is how it is. Like, everyone is connected in this web. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A six degrees of separation type of thing. I, I, I know, yeah, it's like, more like one degree. It's yeah, like really. When you think about it. Half a degree. But, I, but I yeah. know, like, the last few interviews you've done, you kind of, like, you know, talk about Sons of Apollo, like, in the past tense, and that you had a great run. And that's one of the things about music and being in a band. I mean, you work so hard to put everything into a band. You try to build it up. And it, it could just take the smallest thing to set it off course or things happen. Maybe it was the pandemic. But Sons of Apollo building up such a great, you know, it has so much momentum going. And it was really building up. And then it just kind of fizzled out. And I guess it was maybe because the pandemic started and right in the middle of things getting good and things happened. But when you're in a band and you're a band member, I guess this is kind of par for the course, whether you like it or not. It's just something that you learn to live with and deal with. Uh, it sucks. You know, you don't join a band for it to break up. Uh, <laughs> so Sons of Apollo, yeah, five founding members, all, you know, part of this thing from the ground up. And it was building really nicely uh, in 2020. Everything was really on an upward trajectory. It was, it was going great. And then the pandemic hit. And what happened was one member had other aspirations. And that stopped us from being able to make a third album and continue it. So that was just how it left off. We managed to fulfill an obligation to... Uh, uh, our promoter in South America that we had to reschedule the tour four times because of the pandemic and did that tour. But by that point, like there, you know, the band was no longer, yeah, it was not there anymore. And it fragmented into two different things where I have art of anarchy with Jeff and there's other music on that I've done with Derek. So, Kind of like you cut the worm in half into two pieces that yeah. are now wiggling. Yeah, great way of great way of putting it. You know, you know, when you think about it, over the years, or the last three, four decades, almost it's hard to believe it goes that far back. Getting kind of started, I guess, with Mike Varney, who was always like a guy for like guitar players back then. He always like found some of the best that were out there. Sort of gave him the first start on on the compilations and on on albums. 
I mean, when you look back on your whole career, can you say that like maybe the time you spent with Mike Varney on Shrapnel Records was kind of what started it for you? Or was there something else that kind of broke you big in your mind? It was really, that was the first legit thing. Uh, yeah, that was really the start, I think, of anything credible. So that was well over 30 years ago now. So putting out songs on shrapnel records on their compilation albums and, and and then doing my own albums and then getting into doing video game soundtracks and uh, starting my own record label and having distributors all around the world and and continuing putting out my own music and touring and and teaching and then becoming an adjunct professor at SUNY Purchase College teaching music production and just continuing just everything just letting it build and grow making tons of music for tv shows and and little horror movies and and more video games uh, yeah like the show remember that metal show on vh1 yeah yeah so the theme song was one of my songs That's like right. i did tons like every day i would listen to i would end up like turning on the tv and hearing something that i did like on some random show everything from I remember one time watching So You Think You Could Dance and I heard a piece of music that I had made that was being used. Oprah Winfrey, Tom Brokaw, uh, lots of WWE stuff, uh, Raw, uh, NHL, NFL, MLB, you name it. It's been in like every, like in the early 2000s, like every MTV show, uh, The Osbournes, Hogan knows best, uh, like just um, more than I could even think of. So constantly. So that's what I was doing. And then uh, just continuing, then starting to join some notable bands and, and then working with the State Department where we do these cross-cultural programs in all different countries and in Brunei and Albania and like all kinds of places where just connect with different musicians locally and we would make music together all put together by U.S. embassies just to bring people together because music brings people together and where <laughs> nothing else can. And it just really just helps strengthen ties. So doing a lot of that. And then, you know, producing all these different bands and recording different bands and and doing a lot of mixing of people's albums. I mixed all the Art of Anarchy albums and just a lot of stuff. And then going and being the lead front man of the band Asia. Yeah, I remember that a few years <laughs> back. That was and, wild. Yeah, it's been a lot of unexpected stuff where, like, how how is it that the same person is doing this that would do that? Like, it doesn't seem like, like something that one person would do. Like, you don't go from being the guitarist of Guns N' Roses to being the singer of Asia. <laughs> you don't go from being, you know, a, a, an adjunct professor to being the guitarist of Guns N' Roses. You don't go from... Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. So when I look back on my life, pretty much, I rarely do that. I try to just look forward. But if I do look back, it's 
someone asked me about it and I'm forced to look back on it all, I'm like, this makes no damn sense. <laughs> what the hell did I do? <laughs> it makes no sense. But I'm loving it. You should. I mean, it's always been like, you know, people say like we have a money portfolio, you need to diversify. And I think that's one thing you've done musically. I mean, you'll see people like, you know, you have ACDC or Metallica or Iron Maiden or some of the great hard rock and metal bands that formed in the 70s. Those guys were able to get into one band and make that a career for 30 or 40 years if they were lucky enough, to, you know, to strike a big one. The record industry was still big and touring was still, you know, like the way to make money. It's different today. So as a musician today... Do you have to do as many things as possible? I mean, you've played with so many people and so many bands, like you said, that are just, you know, could be any different genre. It's not all rock, all metal. It's, you've played with a little bit of everybody and everything. So do you really have to diversify as a musician to kind of keep this career going? And just to have fun and just to not get bored with it. Because if you do one thing, it could get very robotic and you start losing your spirit. So I'll do music camps out in Ireland. Bumblefoot Music Camps, and I have a hot sauce company where I make hot sauce. You got to keep life interesting. True. You're, you're an amazing guitar player from start to finish. There's no doubt about that. Did you ever play on somebody's record or join a band where you felt it was a little challenging for you, or was that beyond that point You know, in your career of being a guitar player? Definitely when it's something that I'm writing, that I'm part of creatively, that's what's most challenging because I like to challenge myself. So I would say the Sons of Apollo stuff was super challenging, although probably the most challenging thing was singing and playing guitar for Asia because first, the vocals are not the way I normally sing. So I spent eight hours a day for two months every day retraining my voice to sing differently and getting so used to it so that once I'm staring at a few thousand people, I'm not going to just default back to my old way of singing so that I would sound as much as possible like John Wenton. And uh, so there's that. Then all the guitar parts, they're coming from a different person. Like John Wenton, he, in Asia, he sang and he played bass. So those two parts are locked together. But the guitar is doing its own thing. So I have to sing like a different person and then play these guitar parts that really don't you know, lock in to the vocals. So it's like having two brains. And then with my left foot, I had a guitar pedal where I'm changing all the guitar sounds for, you know, during the songs, changing from, you know, something, you know, with a lot of reverb on it to something dry and something cleaner and all that. And then on with my right foot, I'm adding vocal harmonies with like a harmony pedal and controlling effects for my vocals. So it was this whole tap dance routine that I had to coordinate of playing like the left half of me had to be one person and the right half had to be another person and neither one was me. And I had to have them <laughs> go together and make it seamless on stage. So that was the most challenging thing. Yeah, when you, when, you, when you put it like that, you're like, wow, I never really thought about that. You think it just gets up there and he's singing and playing. But like when you played with Asia, I mean, John was out of the band for many, many years. There were a couple of different singers that came in. So when you're, in, when you're enlisted to become the singer of Asia and the guitar player, original player Steve Howe, you know, amazing guitar player himself, 
I mean, you say this stuff, you know, I want to try to give people the show that, you know, like John would have gave them, you know, kind of like bring vocally to what John would have did to the music and not like the people that came after him because it changed it a little bit each time I'd ever sing it. It's only natural. Yeah, we were doing stuff off of the first, second, maybe third album. So it had to, when people heard it, it had to make them reminisce and it had to make them feel like the first time they heard it. So my goal was to not sound like me, but to sound like that album and sound like that band did. And I had to reconstruct my innards to make that happen, whatever I had to do. And that was the goal, to make the audience feel like they were uh, seeing the band in 1982. And John Wenton, he had passed in 2017. So this tour was almost like a tribute to him, where we had a big screen in the background and showed a lot of videos of him. And, and then in the last four songs, Steve Howe would come out and I would just sing and I wouldn't play guitar. And we would do it as a five piece where Steve Howe was playing guitar and I was just singing for like the big hits. And it was a great experience. The band was just wonderful. The greatest guys, such great dudes. Yeah. It was some good times. I mean, do you ever see yourself at a time where you just don't want to play live anymore? Because you do so much studio work, you know, whether it's writing or producing. Is there a time where you say, you know what, I kind of want to shift, like, you know, working indoors for a while, you know, doing the studio work and not go out there and play live? But when you commit to a band, unfortunately, you know, that's part of it. And it does get tiring as we get older. Yeah, for the last six years, I've been like, I don't want to play live anymore. I'm done with this crap. And every band I'm in, they know that, and they hear me bitching and whining. Like, I'm not playing. All right. um, but, yeah, you got to do it. I mean, hell, I just did it Saturday. I played down in Baltimore for this wonderful uh, organization called Casey Cares. And they do so much for, for sick kids. So it was a cool fundraising rock and roll bash where they had, like, an auction, auctioning off guitars and all kinds of things and, and had this band that played that I was part of. It was Liberty DeVito that we know from Billy Joel yeah. and Carmine Peace that we know from Vanilla Fudge and Rod Stewart and Jeff Beck and, and uh, Kasim Sultan. And he's on bass. Then we had Ricky Bird and Steve Conti, all New York guys. Uh, they're on guitar, and then we had Lauren Gold on keyboards, who plays with The Who and Chicago, and Chuck Lavelle, uh, one of the Allman Brothers and, and Rolling Stones keyboardist, and, and just and and uh, oh yeah, and then the Allman singing, yeah, she's known as the Beehive Queen. She sings with a Saturday Night Live band, and she's phenomenal, and so. We, that's what gets me on stage. That's what makes me want to get out and play. When it's something that's going to inspire people to do good and to be part of something more important than just making music and entertaining. So did that Saturday. So yeah, I was down at Baltimore and had a wonderful time with wonderful people. So yes, I would much, at this point in life, I'm looking to get off the field and be the coach. <laughs> and I love producing. I produce tons of great up-and-coming bands and artists. And I love helping other people achieve what they're looking to achieve. And that's where I'm at. But that said, you know, when this band is, is 
ready to hit the stage, I'll be there and give it everything I got. I know you will, and I can't wait for that. Ron, I'm not going to keep you because I know you have a whole bunch of interviews to do today. But, you know, thinking back on your career and all the bands and projects you've played with, all the people you've worked with, you know, some of them, you know, carry a lot of baggage. Some of them very controversial, you know, whether it's Axl Rose or any one of the, the Scots that you played with. And I don't mean Jeff Scott solo, but I mean the other two. I mean, Scott. But I was saying, yeah. did, you, did you ever say to yourself, you know, what was I getting into when I was thinking about joining that band or playing with them? Or at the time, did you not know like that they were, like had the reputation that they had? Oh. <laughs> that's yeah. There, there were instances of where you know I flat out was saying no, I will not work with that person, and got talked into it. Uh, I won't say who and when, but there have been situations where it's been like that. Uh, and I, I always say, like, every white hair I have is from them. Uh, but vastly, the good people outweigh the bad. There's been so countless amounts of incredible human beings that I've had the pleasure and the privilege to work with. And just know, and that makes up for any of the challenges for sure. And that's a very important thing. But Ron, like I said, I'm not going to keep. You. I know you got another one to do in a few minutes, probably. It's always great talking with you. You know, I love everything you've done musically. I can't wait. Officially, it's February 16th on Pavement Music. The record comes out, but I know we're going to get a little bits and pieces of it. Vilified is playing right now for people to listen to, and I know we're probably going to get a few more songs before then. But you did an amazing job on this record, man, and I cannot wait to see you guys play live, especially somewhere in our home area over here, so I can get to the show and, and catch this band out there. Cool. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you, and and yeah, I hope everyone digs this thing. I'm sure they will, Ron. And the next time we're together and we're in Brooklyn, LMB is on me. Oh, you got it. Get okay, in my, my car. friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. We do have a warning this morning from the U.S. military about the new Joker movie, alerting service members that there could be potential violence. Victims of the massacre are concerned this film will inspire other would-be killers. Joker character should not be viewed as a hero.
range of mass shootings, some film critics have raised concerns that the Joker's disaffected lead character could become a hero to those already angry at society. Society. Bumblefoot, Ron Thaw with the Vilify song. The record is not out until next February. We've got about four more months, but what a great guy. And a fellow Staten Islander out in New Jersey. That seems to be the progression, you know, for the Brooklyn, Staten Island, New Jersey, and then Florida. Some people just cut Jersey out completely lately and go right down to Florida. But that's that's the, the train that everybody takes. All right, we're going to get to Robert Garvin in about 15 minutes. We're going to keep the music to the minimum, you know, today and over the next few weeks so I can figure out what the hell's going on here and to make sure they're not going to cancel the show again tomorrow morning when I wake up. Uh, but, hey, color me pink. You know, Agent Steel actually performed live, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> up in Northern Europe this weekend. Uh, I don't remember where they played, if it was Norway or, or Sweden or somewhere else, but they actually performed live. I can't believe the show actually took place, and they're on a cruise right now, some three-day rock cruise going on up there, and they actually performed on there too. Uh, all the pictures show the other guys in the band, uh, but there's not one picture of John Cyrus, any pictures you can find on the internet playing live. Uh, I went to the guitar players page to check it out. There were a couple of pictures of the, the two guitar players and the bass player and the drum and nothing with John Cyrus. And somebody put up a video, like a 20 second video with Cyrus in it, singing. He had his, like, his Keanu Reeves Matrix outfit on, like the long black dress, like, you know, with the glasses, like he was like Keanu Reeves in the movie Matrix. He looked ridiculous. But I have to be honest with you, listening to it, it sounds like all of his vocals were pre-recorded. Check out the little clip. If I could find it, I'll post it again for you know for people to see. But if you listen to what he's singing and the way it sounds, it just sounds pre-recorded to me. So you check it out. You let me know. Maybe there'll be more clips coming up soon. You know, I don't want a cruise ship right now, so I guess it's not great internet reception on there. But let me know, and we'll see what happens. I'm curious now if the rest of the shows are going to take place this month. Maybe somebody will get better footage of it because I would love to see it live and to see what it sounds like. Eh, who knows? All right, let's do a little Iron Angel, Rush of Power.
Butterbust Turkey, lips recovering from heart surgery. I'm sure he'll be back out of the road next year. Then that a little weed can't cure. Right before that, Hyrax with Blind Faith and Iron Angel, Rush of Power. Love those guys. All right, we're going to talk to Robert Garvin. The band was doing, uh, had a press day this week. Uh, the band was doing interviews. I kind of drew Robert. Uh, this was the first interview I've done uh, on Zoom. Uh, I've been passing up on a lot of press days because a lot of the artists now are using Zoom to do interviews with. And, you know, outside of, you know, meeting the bands in person, do live interviews, everything's usually over the phone or Skype or they call into the show live or I call them live. So you don't really get to see them. This was the first time I got to see the person I was talking to on the internet doing the show. And like I said, now that I know how to use the Zoom, uh, I'm going to do uh, a lot more press day interviews because we're going to have to fill up the show in interviews now to kind of cut down on the music. Not that we don't do enough as it is. We have one to two guests almost on a weekly basis, but I'm going to have to do more interviews, it looks like. So I'm glad that I figured out. I want to thank Liz over at Airsplit PR who kind of walked me through the steps and Robert who gave me a little quick tutorial uh, before we started the interview. So it worked out pretty good. So let's do a little Sirith Ungool with Black Machine. We'll talk to Robert, and we're going to wrap up tonight's show with a song off the brand new record.
This is Mike. Can you hear me or see me? You. There you go. All right. There you go. See technology, hey. huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've done around a thousand of these now, and I still have problems sometimes. But oh uh, my god, I, I I miss the old days where you had a string on a paper cup and you could talk to anybody within ten feet of you. So here's what you need to do now: is tilt your. Uh, I don't know. You can tilt your screen. So if you tilt your screen like up or down, you can get your head to. Because I can only see like from your glasses up. Let's but it's up, it's up. Yeah, no, it's up to you. Oh, that's perfect. There you go. You're like Tim, our singer. We always do band Zoom meetings and check this out. Here's what we see. <laughs> here's what we see of him. It's just like his head, like the top of his head. And yeah. we always go, I always say, hey, Tim, I can only see your head. He goes, that's what I want you to see or something. <laughs> that's great stuff. Hey, well, listen. So where, where are you located? New York City. Wow, we just played in New York City. I know you did in Manhattan. Wait, did you get to come? You should have came, man. It was a rare. It's hard because rare... it was on a Sunday night and my show was on Sunday night. So it was hard to get there. Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But it was still a pretty, it was a nice uh, Sanhedrin play too. I love those guys. You know, they're. They're a great young band. Absolutely. Hey, your room, your room looks really interesting. You know, if, if you saw my back room, you'd, it's that's why I have such a cool I had to make such a cool uh, backdrop because my room is so horrible. You know? I, I, I love it. It's all the album covers. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, listen, such a fan of you guys going back to the very, very early 80s. And the fact that you're still putting out music and the albums are getting better and better and better every time you put one out. It's incredible. But I'm also sad because next year is kind of going to be like the last year. But is it just live or you're still going to write and record music? Well, you know what? We announced, the band announced the end of live playing at the end of next year. Let me kind of go into that a little bit because it's it's kind of bittersweet and it's sad for all of us to even talk about that or even think about that. But when the band broke up, this is like 1991, I was telling people, you know what? You know, we're like 30, we're 30 years old or something, you know, the heavy metal or rock music. This is a young man's sport. You know, it's like. People don't want to see guys like us this age keep doing this stuff, right? So we get back together, and and I swore, I go, I swore, I will never touch another pair of drumsticks as long as I live. You know, that was my 1991 uh, thing. It didn't work out. Uh, so when we got back together in 2016, um, you know, we were all like, hey, people are bugging us. Hey, get back together and play. And Jarvis band locally and says, hey, man, you should get back together. I go all over Europe and there's guys that love your band and Oliver, the guy puts on keep it true goes, Hey man, if you get back together, you can headline my festival, you know? And we're like, no, no, no. But then uh, Jarvis put on a local festival here in town named after our first album, Frost and Fire. And uh, he goes, would you guys come and do a signing session? And we did. And just hundreds of people showed up and wanted stuff signed. We sat there for hours. It seemed like, and it just, it was, um, it kind of made us realize that people kind of wanted to hear our music. So we thought, hey, well, let's get together for a couple of shows, see what happens. We'll see if we can get out there on stage and not fall off the stage and, and play, you know. And, uh, you know, we we played a couple of shows and we we started getting that kind of taste of what it felt like to, like, be back on stage again and have fun. And uh, so it kind of like a snowball started rolling downhill picking up speed you know we put out a live album an ep two full-length albums you know so we did you know we played the big stage of Bakken right before judas priest eighty-one thousand yeah. people you know we did some pretty amazing stuff uh headlined a bunch of festivals over bands 
uh, that, you know, I grew up worshiping almost, you know, so I think we've, we've done quite a lot of stuff, but also I just turned 68. Most of the other guys in the band are about my age and uh, at least original members. And, um, you know, at some point, you know, you need to start thinking about, you know, some kind of end of your life retirement where you can relax and do some stuff you wanted to do, you know? And I think, um, being in a band's been very, uh, kept, kept us really busy. And some of the guys, uh, still working full-time jobs, which is, I can't even, I mean, I retired after working 40 years, uh, doing graphic arts type stuff in a basement and, uh, just being in the band takes almost all of my time. So I think, you know, this is a chance for us to kind of step back from that. But part two of your question, a lot of people have answered that. And I think we still have some more music in us. And if it, if I have anything to do about it, we'll keep putting out some more music. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I get it. As we get older, everything gets a little harder. And, the, you know, the drain of being on tour, the drain, just even travel, because you guys do play a lot of festivals. You're flying to Europe. You're flying all over the world, basically. And it does get draining after a while. And I can only imagine what that's like. As much fun as it is on stage for that hour and a half, there's a lot of other work that goes to get you onto that stage for an hour and a half. And that's the part that kind of wears you down. Yeah. You know, I told a story earlier today. I got to be careful telling this because, Times have changed so much and people get really weird about things like this, but this is honest to God, true story. When I was a child, the first time I got on an airplane, it was a Boeing 707. It's probably like 1969 or something, right? I was probably nine or 10 years old. Anyway, I remember they go, oh, it's his first time on a plane. They took me in the cockpit. I sat on the pilot's lap. It's kind of like that bad scene in the airplane, the movie, <laughs> you know, where the guy's kind of like a child molester kind of guy. But anyway, so I'm sitting on his lap. They bring me a set of, of wings you know yeah, yeah and they you know they're he goes hey have you ever been in a men's turkish bath you know that's airplane the movie anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that the joke is you know sometimes we've got on planes you know and it's been, and been that busy and i've told this uh, flight attendant i go hey uh when as a kid i got to sit on the pilot's lap can i still do that and then the look on their face is just like <laughs> you know horror uh but but in all reality, traveling back then, I mean, the seats were wide and you had leg room and it'd bring you a three course meals. And I mean, this was even coach stuff. This wasn't even first class stuff. This was, you were treated almost like you're, uh, you know, some kind of like not royalty, but you're doing something that was kind of, you know, it's like being on the queen Mary, you know, like, yeah. and, and maybe not like Leonardo DiCaprio in the hold, but you know, like you had like a regular cabin, but nowadays you get on a plane pretty much, you know, and, Every time I get on a plane, I feel like I'm, you know, there's like, it's in one of those movies where like they have whips and they're like, <laughs> like get to the back of the plane, yeah. you know, how dare you, bring, how dare you bring on carry on luggage, <laughs> you know, and so, hey, some of our flights to Europe are three days to get there. Yeah, connections and everything else, sure. Yeah, and then we're on the ground for a day and a half and we're gone. And people always ask me, they go, hey, you know, you're in Berlin, did you see the Berlin Wall or... You know, you're in Iceland. Did you go out and see the, you know, the giant hot spring or something? And I'm like, man, I seen the airport. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the way it goes. That's that's the business. That's how it works. You fly in, you do your job, and you go home. You don't get the sightsee. You don't get the tour. You don't get to do stuff like that. It's 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 hard. But you guys have been there and you've done that, and that's a great thing. And but you know, you kind of take this thing back to the beginning. It's hard to imagine that it's been 50 years of this band. If we really go back to the very early 70s during its foundation, you know, and it's just, I guess it was you, Greg and Jerry back there coming out of Titanic that kind of got this whole band going. 
Yeah, it's actually been 52. When you play with Judas wow. Priest, when you play with Judas Priest, it was their 50th anniversary, and he said it was ours too. And I guess that was just because made it easier, but it was actually our 50. Because we started, we played our first show in around 1971. So, which is amazing, you know. I mean, it really is. But we were chill, you know. We were children, and but we we actually were playing, you know. We played a like a kind of like a like a mini. They call it a mini pop festival, and it's literally five minutes from my house at our my old high school, where they have a the football field. They set up like a little stage, and I still have. Uh, you could email me or go online, contact me, and I could send you little pictures of it. It's still amazing us playing. Uh, so I mean that that's we have all that history stretching out behind us, and uh, but you know we still have a year ahead of us. We're booked at some pretty amazing shows. We're booked at uh, Up the Hammers in Athens, Greece. Uh, we're booked at uh, Keep It True Rising. It's be our last probably show in Europe uh, in Würzburg, Germany, uh, with a lot of the really good bands on, on the bill. Uh, Hell's Heroes, a place in, in Texas. We played with the first one. We This will be our third time there. And uh, unbelievable uh, venue, really nice people, all sorts of really good. Uh, I love Mexican food, and, and I was born in Texas. And so in yeah. Houston, there's all sorts of good Mexican food. And, you know, we've headlined that show a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, they, they're getting bigger and having bigger acts and stuff. They actually put us on the bill, even though they were completely filled up. They They stuck us in there. You know, just knowing that it would be one of our last um, uh, shows playing. So, you, you know, there's some there's some good stuff coming up. So anyone that can get a chance and come out and see the band, I highly encourage it. I'm sure they will know that it might be the last time they probably ever see you guys live. Uh, are you going to look to grab any show you can this year? You're really just kind of picking and choosing where you can have the biggest impact. Uh, you mean for the shows? Or? For the shows, yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of ever since we've been back together, people always say that. They go, why don't you come to like, you know, uh, Detroit, or why don't you come to, to live anywhere here like uh, Ocala, Florida, or whatever, but almost all of the shows, their promoters contact our agent or our manager, and they say, hey, we want to book the band, so it's not like it's not like shows that we're not withholding ourselves from certain parts of the world or the country, it's just you know, where people feel it's viable to put on a show, and you know, after the pandemic, it's become really expensive, you know, even for bands to travel and to pay bands and everything. And so it's harder for promoters to even barely break even. And that, that's kind of what all, most of the bands are doing. You know, we're not making, I mean, that's a thing. That's a joke. People keep saying, Hey, the Rolling Stones are still together and they're 80. And I'm saying, well, shit, if I had a private jet, you know, we're making a million dollars every show. I'd, I'd crawl out there and tell, you know, they put me in a casket, right? You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like night and day. But, you know, like we were saying before, like the, going back to the early 70s with the band of 52 years now, when do you think that Sevdon Gold became the band that everybody knows? Because you were teenagers in the early 70s. You probably didn't have that distinctive sound. You guys created a sound, if not a whole genre to itself. You know, when your album started coming out in the mid-80s and the early 80s. I mean, you yeah. know, when Frost and Fire came out, nobody ever heard anything like that before. Yeah, I remember they played that on a local radio station and they said it was, the guy told me it was too heavy. But I'm going like you guys are playing Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. I mean, you know, we're that's heavier than us, right? You know, and I, I think what they meant was too different. You know, we're yeah, and people are scared. You know, once again, it's like people are scared of stuff that they don't understand that seems strange to them. I mean, that's the whole history of the kind of like the downfall of mankind is like you know fear of the unknown. You know, uh, 
So uh, I don't know. I just wish, you know, you're saying that. I think, you know, when our first album came out, we played in Mexico City and there was a big buzz around the, the band. And we really thought that we had a chance, you know, and there's a chance that we could have been like, you know, big like some of the other big bands. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, we had a strange singer. But when we first met the guys in Rush, we saw them play at the Whiskey Go-Go and there's only a handful of people there. I remember coming home and telling all my friends at school, hey, man, you got to hear this band from Canada Rush. They're really good. And the number one thing people said was, God, I can't stand, I can't take this guy's voice, you know? So I think there could have been a chance for us to kind of like break into like the, you know, the the mainstream, like the big bands of today, you know, like the Judas Priest or whatever. But for some reason, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in this. You know, I'm not going to say it's all talent or it's all luck, but, the luck thing is a really big thing. Almost all the bands that got really big. And I talked with Tim about this the other day. We we're talking about basketball stars, like every young kid, let's say in, a, in the inner city wants to be the next Michael Jordan or something. Well, if you're good enough at basketball, you can do that. But I don't think the music industry is the same because I mean, so many bands that I've loved and worshiped over the years are better than bands that made it big. Maybe only had one album out or two albums out. So there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes there, like, you know, who your management is, who the record company is, who's putting money behind you, you know, whether it's at the right place at the right time or buzz like that. And I think, uh, you know, we have to be thankful for, you know, our second 15 minutes of fame at the end of next year will be nine years. And so that's like insane, I think. That's great. Well, yeah, it's crazy when you think about it that it's almost a decade uh, since we're doing it again. But you know what happens? There are so many bands like yourselves who kind of create a genre, create a sound, create a style, and it kind of gets forgotten about by the masses. Begin five, six, seven years later, if you guys pack it in, you hit dozens of bands coming out that want to sound like you guys, do what you guys did, and they have that next level of success. But you guys are the ones that laid the groundwork down for those bands to get that. It's happened to so many bands. A band like Raven, a band like Anvil, they were on that same boat. They're still out there doing it, still out there playing. They created these, you know, little niches, if you want to call it that, and everybody else took advantage of it. And it's just, I think it's a matter, like I said, it's luck and the right time and right place for when things happen, you know? I think you're right. Uh, I do believe this, though, too. D during our break, when 20 years where we weren't playing, a lot of people went back and rediscovered our music. And I really think that our new last couple of albums are the same way. People like them. I mean, in Italy, a uh, uh, website in Italy, their readers picked Forever Black as the number one album of 2023, beating out bands like Bloister Cult and ACDC, which just blew us away. Uh, but I think the people actually the majority of the people that are going to like be exposed to that, like five, five or 10 years from now, will will go, wow, this was really something, you know, it'll be 10 years too late for us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or 50 years or what have you. But uh, I think their music, and I guess what I'm saying is I think all the music that we've created is going to kind of stand the test of time. I mean, it's never, and, and that's hard. Sometimes I'll go back and listen to stuff on the 78 record, but the stuff that was good, even then, you know, you can, you can, you can hear that and there's something to it. And I think some of our music has that too. And I'm hoping that that's what we're remembered as, is a band that would never sell out. And maybe that's a reason we never made it big is because we refused to march to any other drummer, but you know, our own. It's true. I think you guys are one of the, probably one of the only few bands that really, you know, stood to your guns, kept doing what you're doing. You didn't care what the market said, what the scene was doing and changing. Even like, you know, you talk about Judas Priest. I mean, even in the 80s when, 
that whole hair metal scene exploded. You know, Judas Priest kind of went glam. Robbers in spandex and sequins and, you know, the hair is teased and long. And the fans like, what the hell is this? But they were trying to stay relevant and what was going on where you guys said, no, nah, we're just, you know, this is our course that we took and we're going to ride it out. Even till today, you know, it, it's still you guys. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Uh, I wish so. Like I said, you know, if our lives would have been a little bit different, sometimes I think of what, 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 how things could be different if we would actually, you know, been financially successful, you know? Uh, but, you know, once again, that that's, you know, my father-in-law famously said, he goes, you wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which one feels up first. <laughs> that's the, that's great. That's a great, I got to remember that one. That's a great saying. Yeah. He no, was we'll, a, he was a Canadian farmer. So he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Now, Robert, with this great new release, Dark Parade, and, you know, I mean, you always find new fans. I mean, you got the old fans like myself, but every album brings new people to the fold. And I'm so excited that people are going to hear this record for the first time. But along with all the goodness comes a little badness, too. There was the announcement that Jim Barraza is not in the band anymore. There was a press release put out that due to his health, you know, we were parting ways with him. And that seemed a little cold, like uh, when people read that for the first time, saying, wow, the guy's been with the band since like the 90s or even the late 80s, and just to kick him out. But there was other stuff going on, obviously. But that was just, you know, I guess a kind of way of putting it. Now, Jim's come out and said that the band's turned into, you know, uh, Jarvis Uncle. It's not Sirith Uncle anymore. And so he's uh, talking out. So a lot of stuff happens with bands. Members come and go. Things happen. Uh, but people, I don't, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Well, I don't want to say much about that. I will say go back and read our statement. And I thought we were pretty fair about what we said on the statement. We all agreed on that, everyone in the band. And uh, another thing is that we've been through personal changes before, you know. And a lot of times there's some animosity there. And as always, it's it's not easy. You know, it's not easy uh, either shedding members or getting new members or like people leaving the band. But, you know, we've done it before. We've come out stronger at the other end, and I think we're going to do this. Here's another thing I need to say, because there's some stuff online, which kind of everyone in our band, especially since we've been back together, you know, we never made any money to begin with originally before we broke up. But, you know, our record contracts, the companies we deal with for all our publishing and everything, every member of the band uh, gets a fair share of everything the band makes on our records, you know, uh, on our publishing and all that. So, I mean, I just, I, I want to underscore that because uh, everyone gets a fair share of what we've created. And, you know, the irony is to that is like, there's not much there. You know, it's like you, you split up the money that we get for the advance. And then, you know, by the time we pay the record company back for the recording and the production and the packaging and everything, it may be five years before we make our next dollar off of the album, you know? So, I mean, no one's getting rich off of this. Matter of fact, when the band first got back together, we all sat down and we realized, hey, should we quit our day jobs? And like the consensus was, hey, we're not going to make any money doing this. We're only doing this for the love of the music, you know? And that's 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 what this is. I've actually, huh, I bought a really expensive drum set and I got a really nice deal on it because I'm buddies at, with friends over at the factory. Um but the joke is, is by the time the band breaks up, I won't even have recovered what I paid for my drum set. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's my, but I, I just wanted to share that with you. And like I said, I, um, you know, we're always going to miss members that left, but here's the thing for the band to keep rolling on. We have to keep everyone in the band has to be on the same page. And, and that's, 
if it doesn't work like that, it doesn't work. And that's, 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 all how, the, that's how the business goes. But are you, are you planning on getting a second guitar player to finish off the rest of, you know, the year in the tour now, or are you going to try to do it with just one? Well, you know what? Uh, the only person that ever could have done that has stepped up. Uh, matter of fact, cause we were thinking of just pulling the plug on the band actually. Uh, and uh, Armand, he's actually the guitarist in Night Demon, which actually makes it even more convenient because Jarvis is a Night Demon. And we played almost all our shows together, and he's helped all the guys, the guitarist guys in the band, you know, helping get them set up on stage. He recorded our last three albums. So he knows every note that everyone played. You know, he's a drummer, too. You know, I mean, he's the guy, uh, amazing and he's got a lot of other stuff going on. He's got his own studio. He plays in a couple other bands. He's a night demon, which is really trying, you know, to make, make the big time and take off. But he said he would step in. So he's going to step in for the rest of the uh, next year and play. And he played, he only had two weeks to get ready for our show at the Roxy. And I think it was probably one of the better shows we ever played in our entire career. It just went off like a giant bomb. The place was packed. Everyone from our record company in U.S. and Europe showed up. Uh, they recorded it for a live album and a movie. So maybe when a movie comes out, we'll find out what it really was like. But, <laughs> but I, I remember it, you know, from playing that night. I'm just going, man, this is this is amazing. So you know, I mean, it's uh, the world good. moves on, you know, yeah, and at some, some point it's going to move on without all of us. And so that's that's we have to decide if we're all on the same. Uh, team are on the same train track and i think sir thungle at least for the next year we're going to be rolling down that same track of like true heavy metal and the only thing that's going to stop us is uh you know age and infirmity <laughs> let's hope it never gets to that point and maybe one day it will but let's hope it doesn't get there right now but you're know, talking about california and the roxy playing there recently you know the band comes from california and you know back in the 80s california new york were like the two main like hubs for the scene but California was, you know, it was more like a hair metal scene, bands that you guys definitely wouldn't fit into back then. Was it a welcoming place to play back in the 80s? Was there a place for your band in those clubs back then? Well, yeah, there was. But, you know, a lot of the fans came from up here where we lived down to see us. And quite a few people came the other night from there. But, you know, we have an international fan base. There was people there from Ecuador, Finland, France, Guatemala. And that's a joke. You know, I, I talked to Tim when we played in New York City. There's more people from out of the state. People drove from Albuquerque, New Mexico, from Miami, Florida. And a joke with me and Tim was we should play every show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That way we'd be centrally located, you know, or maybe if there was Atlantis in the middle of Atlantic Ocean, the guys from Europe, we could all meet in the middle there or something. Oh, but, uh, you know, that that that's kind of the funny thing about that. Uh, but, yeah, no, that here's a funny we were setting up the stuff and the guys are looking at my drum set and going, wow, look at this drum set. Look at all these cymbals and stuff. Bands like us really don't play those clubs anymore. You know, I mean, there's bands playing there, but it's not, you're not going to see, it's not, it's not the rushes or, you know, the early sticks and Y and T, you know, uh, name any of the bands that were doing back then when we were playing. And I'm not saying there, there's not some of them playing, but, but boy, the look, they were looking at like my, some of the guys were looking at my drum set, like, wow, what is this? You know, I've never seen anything like this before. So, uh, and playing back then was fun, but we got in kind of at a good time. Like right about the time the band broke up, they were making bands pay to play at the shows, you know? Yeah. And most of the time we never got paid anything, but at least we got to play. 
without having to buy your own tickets and sell them to your friends and stuff. So we kind of were in a magical time. Matter of fact, on if you ever get a chance, uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Yep. At the beginning of the thing, as you're driving down there, our name's up on the marquee for the Whiskey Go-Go. That's right. And we were actually standing out in front of the door, like with the door, when the whole rig drove by, there was like a limousine and a thing back there with the guy on a camera and everything. And we're like, what was that? And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's a, there were some really good times back then. Uh, and, you know, we repeated one full circle. We hadn't played there 35 years. So we knocked that, we knocked that one off the chart. So. That was great. Between that big absence from the band broke up to the band got back together. I mean, you really kind of stepped out of music, I think, altogether, pretty much. Uh, you really weren't involved in any, any other bands that I can recall or in the scene. So when you got back to it, did you realize how much everything kind of changed since then? Or was it kind of the same feel? Like, like, and it's like where we left off. Nothing really changed, you know? Uh. I don't know. I think what we really blew us away is that so many people, especially in Europe, that were younger had heard of us. Matter of fact, a lot of the shows in Europe, people under 30, like here in the United States, there was quite a few young people at our show the other night. But, you know, we're, we're an older band and so it's not unusual to have older people in the crowd watching us, you know, and it, it's a shock to play somewhere where the majority of the crowd is under 30 instead of like over 50, you know. Uh, but hey, that's that's the way the world is. And, you know, we're we're dealing with it. We got one more year and promise me if we're anywhere near New York city, will you come out and try to see us play? Or? I will absolutely come out to see you. I'm not going to miss your last show. Are you kidding? I've seen you guys quite a few times over the years. I'm not going to miss the last one. I'll be at one of them no matter where it is. Maybe I'll okay. try to get to I, one of the festivals, but I know you got to go, Robert. I will give you permission to take the night off from your show. You got it. I'll pre-record that week. <laughs> I will definitely, but I, I'm going to let you go. I know you're doing a whole bunch of interviews today. You probably got another one lined up. Right okay, if moment. you ever want to talk about other old bands or anything else, let me know. I will have that free time, maybe. I'll be able to we can shoot the shit. You, you know got it, my friend. It's always great talking with you. And the Dark Parade out now, Metal Blade Records. It doesn't get any better than this. You know, life is good right now. You're putting out killer music still after 52 years. Take care, my friend. Have a great afternoon. You too. Get some I, pizza for me. I will. When you come in, it <laughs> on me. There's no pizza here like there. <laughs> when you're in New York, the first pie's on me. Don't worry about it. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye, Robert. Bye-bye.
right off the brand new Sarah Thungu record, Sailors on the Seas of Fate. The Dark Prey, definitely one of my top ten this year. I want to thank Robert for being on tonight's show. Ron Thal, pick up the Art of Anarchy record when it comes out this February. I'm sure we're going to get a lot more singles between now and then. Don't forget to tune in next week if we're here. I'll know tomorrow morning, or maybe Tuesday at the latest. If not, we'll be somewhere else. We'll see what happens. But next week, the professor, Chris Black from High Spirits, is our guest. Uh, we're working on the week after that. I didn't really book anybody because I didn't know what was going on with the show, but... We'll fill up the rest of the month with guests, and then we're going to ease out of the year in December with a couple of holiday specials. So take care, everybody. Have a great week. I will see you next Sunday night. Where? We won't know yet, but hopefully here. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.